Good morning. It's good to see all of you today, those of you that are joining us online. Uh, thanks for giving up an hour of your week to hear what it is that God would be speaking into your heart and in your life. Also, those of you that are watching later on demand, so glad that we have the volunteers and the technology to be able to broadcast our messages at any time of the day. So, so glad to have you here. If you're new, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor, and I'd love to just shake your hand and thank you for being here. I'll be through those doors uh, right after the service. Uh, but today we're actually in part three of our Chasing Carrots series. And so if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these concepts that so often even followers of Jesus can sometimes get trapped in, where we may believe that, that God has actually called us to live comfortable lives here on earth, which is actually a myth. He calls followers of Jesus to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and to follow him, well, at the same time, God comforts us, and God walks alongside us, and God helps us in all of our trials and circumstances. And last week, as Vicar Ben uh, unpacked this whole idea of being a perfectionist or being imperfect, and uh, I want you to know that I sat next to my wife and received lots of elbows during the sermon, so I don't know if anybody else uh, was highly convicted by that as well, but that was an incredible sermon. If you missed either one, I would encourage you to go back and watch them. So as we look at life, as we look at this idea of chasing carrots, which is what society always dangles in front of us, what do you think would be the last thing we should probably talk about? Any ideas? What the third, what's the thing that, that we sometimes, let's be honest, oftentimes get caught chasing and obsessing about? Money, money. Oh, there you go. Say it again. Oh, yeah, there you go. Money. And you're like, oh, we're talking about money today? Yes, we are talking about money today. We're talking about my money and stuff, or is it God's money and stuff? I mean, let's be honest. Let's just start this way. The truth is, all the church, or the myth is, I'm sorry, is that all the church wants... <laughs> They're going to have to edit that and put in the 9 o'clock one, because I'm good. The myth is that all the church wants is my money. And that's why it's so uncomfortable in churches in America to talk about money. And you know that we're one of the few countries where it is uncomfortable to talk about it. Most places don't have an issue talking about money. In fact, you talk about money every single day. Did you know that? You're constantly opening your money app. You're having conversations with your spouse, with your family members. I mean, it's part of our lives, and it's incredible how many scriptures actually talk about money and possessions. So if the myth is all the church wants is my money, what do you think the truth is? What do you think it is? God owns it all. Who created the world? Who created you? Is this why he says in Psalm that the earth is the Lord's and the world, and check this out, all who live in it. So not only does he own everything, your house, by the way, is made of wood from trees that God planted. Your car is made of raw materials that you got from the ground that, oh, by the way, that was what God created. Not only does he own all of your physical possessions and the things that he allows you to have, God owns you. That's why we don't believe in my body, my choice. 
God owns your body, 1 Corinthians. It's God's temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're just borrowing this body that God has created. He formed you in your mother's womb, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He was there the moment you were born. The reason that you have air in your lungs and you're still alive right now is because of him. And one day when you die, whether your body goes six feet under or you get cremated, when God tells Jesus to come back, he will reclaim your body and he will reunite your soul, your eternal soul, with a new glorified body. That's how much he owns us. And we just need to get comfortable with that. And we need to push that whole American or Western mindset of this individualism and somehow that we're in control or we own everything. No, 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 that's not the way it works. God owns it all, but thanks be to God, he's a loving and gracious God and that his plans for us are much better than anything that we could hope, dream, or imagine. Amen? And so when we come into that reality as a follower of Jesus, when we realize what it is that God has done for us through his grace and mercy and we receive the truth and we receive his peace and we receive hope for the future, why wouldn't we want to give back to God? I mean, it should be a pretty easy thing to do, shouldn't it? See, the myth is this, is that it's easy for Christ followers to give a portion of their income. It's a myth. In fact, the truth is, just this thing just froze on me. There we go. Biblical giving is the hardest spiritual discipline for Christians. Why is that? Selfish? Controlling? Insecure? These are great answers. These are better than the nine. Don't tell them I said that. What else? Pardon? Short-sighted. It is, because it's hard when we live in the world that we do to keep a biblical perspective, which is an eternal perspective. Now, if you're new to church and you're new to this church, maybe you know, you're, you've been coming or you've been watching and you're like, well, what is a spiritual discipline? Here's kind of the six anchors. Jess, I think this thing died, so you're, I think you're going to have to do it for me. The six anchors are this, worship and prayer, holy communion, serving, Bible study, sharing your faith, and giving. So worship is where people start coming to worship, where they worship God, or you begin to pray, you begin to develop this spiritual habit. You move into receiving Holy Communion because you realize what it is that Christ has done for you. And so you make church a regular part of, of, of your weekly routine. And I know some of you were messing with you because you're like, we're having communion again this Sunday? Some of you are like, man, this church for so long just did it on the first and third Sundays. And I can tell you, COVID blew that all up. Now we just do it whenever we want. <laughs> This is the fourth week in a row we're having Holy Communion. Number one, it's cold outside. You have nowhere to race to go home to, just so you know. Number two, because this is a hard-hitting sermon, and we want to make sure that you leave really, truly embracing and receiving the grace of God, which is what you're going to get again today. But serving, actually using your time and stepping out and doing something, joining a Bible study, or maybe you're part of one of our life groups where you're doing life with others, 
And these last two, really, they're, they're some of the most difficult, where you're actually now telling other people that you're a Christ follower and that you attend a church and even being so bold as to invite somebody else to join you for one of our Christmas Eve services. And let's be honest, we know that's the most difficult spiritual discipline when it comes to followers of Jesus. And things have not changed. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. Things haven't even changed in the last 500 years. Martin Luther, he was a great reformer from the 1500s. He said there's, he put it this way. He said there's three conversions that, that Christians need to have. One is the conversion of the head. The second is the conversion of the heart. And the third conversion is the conversion of your wallet. Isn't that incredible? So 500 years ago, he dealt with the same exact thing. People just not wanting to let go and watch and see what it is that God can do. So they did a survey of Christians all over the U.S. Josh, you got to help me. There we go. Uh, the average giving per person in a local church, maybe you're wondering, and this is across denominational lines from one end of the country to the other, is about 17 bucks a week. Okay? So that's about almost $74 a month, a little shy of 900 a year. But this last bullet point is really the sticking point, is that U.S. Christians collectively make $5.2 trillion annually. How many of you think that's a lot of money? And yet half of the world's total Christian income is found right here in the United States. A country that makes up 5% of the world population. So 95% of the world lives outside of our borders. And so sometimes people, when they hear about our global initiatives or partnerships with other countries, they'll say, we should stop doing those things. What we should do is focus on our local efforts, and we should just be involved here because we have enough problems of our own to solve here. And I can tell you this, I'm so glad to be part of a church that is so insanely involved in local missions, in the way that we minister to the homeless and to single moms and to all sorts of partnership organizations that, that we willingly serve at. But it's crazy to not look at this from a global perspective that there are Christ followers in other countries, people, think about this, that we will spend all of eternity with. Why would we not want to support them? God has so insanely blessed us here in the United States. We are blessed so often even more than we realize. I mean, for crying out loud, we have a day of the year where people spend billions of dollars buying stuff. And it just happens to be this Friday, isn't it? Some of you, you're already plotting and strategizing. You have spreadsheets. You have boards in your house about what stores you're going to go to and what sites you're going to visit and what you've already got in your Amazon cart and all that other stuff that we think is so important. Now, remember, $37 to the local church, yet 13.5 million American households have a storage unit. And the average storage unit costs how much? So I want you to think about this. This means that we spend more money storing junk than we do giving to our local church. I mean, it's nuts. Some of you, you don't have just one car garage. You have a two car garage, maybe even a three car garage, and you don't even park your car in your garage because you have so much junk in it. Which, side note, I run a nonprofit called uh, Tim's uh, garage cleaning service and I will come help you clean your garage so you can put your car in it. True story. And I won't charge you a dime because I love throwing things away. 
billion bucks a month spent on storing crap. And yet next week, when the Key of Hope kids are here, you're going to see and hear the stories of how many of them live in facilities that are the same exact size as storage units of Americans, which, oh, by the way, is probably how most of our world that lives in poverty lives. And I know some of you, you're the accountant in the family, you're into finances, whatever it may be. This is where always the, the, the mind part, I'm going to talk to the mind people, the money people, the ones that like the digits. You're going to say this, right? Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Stop. It's not that easy, Tim. What about inflation? What about my stocks and my 401k and my bucket list and my kids' inheritance? My, 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 my. Which, by the way, one day we are going to do an entire sermon on kids' inheritance. We don't have that time today, but I would encourage you, if you are thinking about this, a good friend of mine named Kristen Heaney, it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N, Heaney, wrote a book called In Three Generations, one of the best resources you can get when it comes to that subject. And not only will people say, well, wait, 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 I can't give, or I don't want to be part of it, but what about all the social unrest and the political unrest and the racial unrest? Well, I was like, we just got through the midterms, so everything's fine now, right? I mean, the next big election's two years away, so the news stations will just go back to reporting fun stuff in the community, and we don't have to worry about politics. Do you realize that none of these things are ever going to be solved until Jesus comes back? And it should not be the reason that you don't live a life of generosity. Because here's another myth. I can't afford to give. You don't understand. Come to my house, I'll show you my spreadsheets. You don't realize how hard I've worked, and I've worked since I was five years old, and I've done this, and I've saved this penny, and this dime, and this nickel, and this dollar. And I gotta make sure everything's set up just the way it should be set up. You wanna know what the truth is? This is gonna hurt. The truth is this. I have trust issues. I don't trust God. I believe him in certain areas. I want him to save my soul. I'm gonna spend all eternity with him in heaven. But when it comes to, to messing with, with my bank account and my possessions, I, I don't know if I really want him meddling in those things. I don't know if I really want him to speak into those things. And oftentimes what, what it'll be is a cover because people say, well, I don't give to the local church because I don't trust the pastor or I don't trust the people in leadership. And my thing is, then why would you go to that church? I mean, we got churches in every direction. I mean, I passed five churches to get to this one. And find a church, if that's the case, if that's your excuse, or get over that excuse, or go talk to the person if you, have, if you have that attitude and find out maybe why decisions are made the way that they are. I love the way that we've set things up here at Shepherd's Gate because I try to stay out as much of it as possible. We have so many people that are way smarter than me that manage the affairs of this church. It is absolutely incredible. And if you have questions about that, come and talk to me and I'll explain it all to you. I'll even introduce you to all my friends. I love hiring people that are retired, by the way. People that are retired, they have time on their hands, they've got years and decades of experience, and they're incredible at managing God's house and God's finances. This is how God puts it. He says it this way. Trust in the Lord. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. So it's got to get from here to here. And lean not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways, with every area of your life, including your check, checking account, you submit to him. And he's the one that makes your path straight. And in that same verse, some of you, you probably have this hanging up in your house. You've memorized this verse. You love this verse. Wouldn't you know that in Proverbs chapter 3, it also says, honor the Lord with your everything you have and with the first fruits of all of your income. First fruits, biblical principle, that what God has given to you, the very next thing that you do is you give a portion of that, which we would call the tithe, which equals 10% back to him. Before you pay your mortgage, before you pay your taxes, before you do any of those other things, before you sign your kids up for travel sports and all the other crazy expenses or your retirement home in Florida, whatever else you got out there, it goes God first. That's what he says. And he makes it simple by making it 10%. Now I know some of you are like, man, if only I had money. If only I had that guy in church over there in the next row, if I had his money, I could, I could, man, I could really give. And as you know, we just had this little Powerball thing that hit a record, right? 2.04 billion. Anybody play the Powerball? Don't worry, it's, you can play, you can do this. If, this, if you wanna gamble, you can gamble, right? I'm not here to call you out on this, it's fine. 2.04 billion. Um, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, Pastor Tim, if I win $2.04 billion, billion with a B, just let that sit in, billion with a B, I will fund your capital campaign. And I was like, that's incredible. I just love that heart to want to help our church move forward. But the truth is, and I'm being honest, I don't think I would accept it. I think it'd be too easy of a way out for our congregation. Because for me, as the pastor of this church, the spiritual leader of this church, it's not about raising funds to pay the bills because the lights are on and the heat's on, so the bills are being paid. I'm more concerned about your heart. I'm more concerned about he teaching and helping you develop a lifestyle of generosity because I know what it is what God can do for you and your marriage and your family when that's unleashed in your life. This has nothing to do with paying the bills around this place. This has everything to do with investing in you. So let's just go there for a moment, because we all like to do this. We've asked this of our family members. What would you do if you won $2 billion? Would you wait 30 years, then that's the payment, and you'd get all $2 billion, or would you take the cash out payment? How, how many of you take the cash out payment? Right, you want the money now, and then you'll invest it, and sure, you won't spend it like crazy. You want, so if you do that, this is what you get you get less than half if you get the money right up front. So you only get a billion dollars. And of course, the first thing you're gonna do with that gross income is you're gonna say, well, why wouldn't I tithe 10% to my local church? $100 million. I could give up. Could you give $100 million if you had a billion dollars? Does that seem, I mean, why? Right. And then we could take that money and figure out how to bless churches all over the globe and be an incredible partner to so many ministries. And you'd be left with, unfortunately, you'd be, you'd be down in the millions now. You'd only have 900 million left. Now, where's my calculator, people? Where's my accountant's at? Because you're going, no, 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 wait, 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 time out. You forgot that the federal government gets a portion of this. 
In fact, that would be in the highest tax bracket, which would be 37%. Tim, you got to make sure you account for this. And so Uncle Sam gets $370 million of your billion bucks. Does that seem fair? So if we go, okay, 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 then you end up with the $628 million and you tithe on that because you wouldn't want to tithe on the lump sum because that's a lot of money in there, right? You're only left with half of a billion dollars. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Maybe the church only needs 2%. 10% seems a little extreme. And then we go to the teachings of Jesus, our Lord and Savior who talked about money more than he talked about anything else that's been recorded in Scripture. And we find him talking to some intelligent people in his time, and they were trying to actually trap him. They were trying to get him to, to, to have a misstep so that they could use it against him. And the conversation that he's having with these people is about whether you should pay taxes or not. And so he's there and he's listening to them talk about paying taxes and he's also listening to them talk about, well, what is it that's the Lord's and how does this all work? Because they just assume that he would just say, well, you give all your money to God because God owns it anyways. And instead, God, Jesus looks at one of them and says, well, get me a coin. Someone get me a coin. And they go and get him a coin and they place it in his hand and he asks them, well, whose face is on this coin? And they say, well, that's Caesar's face because he's the ruler of the time. And so he answers them this way. He says, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, pay your taxes, and what? To God what is God's. He doesn't negate the Old Testament. He doesn't negate the tithe or living generously. He's saying this, if you're a citizen of this place, and that's what you do. But you also remember the Lord your God. And I love this, because what does it say next? They marveled at him. Isn't that crazy we still marvel at things today? Does anyone marvel at how much we pay for taxes? <laughs> Not only your federal or your state tax, some of you that work in the city of Detroit pay a city tax, your property tax, every time you go out to a restaurant, every time you walk into a grocery store, and you pay sales tax on certain items. And God says, I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me. When you say the Lord's Prayer, which we say often here, give us the, our daily bread, we actually trust that God is going to give us every single thing that we need every single day of our life. He might not give you what you want, but he's certainly going to give you everything that you need. Now, I know this sounds outrageous because it's so much money and the chances of winning the lottery, I mean, you have eight, you're eight times more likely to be struck by lightning on your way to buy a lottery ticket than to win the lottery. I don't know if you knew that or not. Most likely, nobody in here is going to win that. What if we bring it down to where we live here in Shelby Township? And I just went on our Shelby Township website where it lists this data. And for some reason, they use data from 2010. I don't know why it's not updated to 2020. Someone wants to call there and find out for me. That would be great. But right on the Shelby Township website, because this is where Shepherd's Gate's located, the average household income in Shelby Township is 64800 Does that sound right? Okay. Now, church math, easy math would be you, go, you take 10% of that and you give it to your local church. And so you live on 58320 Easy enough? Right? Not for the accountants. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. Tim, 
You keep forgetting taxes. Okay, let's play this game then. So that, that amount of money falls in a 10% tax bracket federally. State of Michigan, we all pay those taxes. Okay, now we're down to 55,223. 10% of that would be 5,523. Now you're netting 49,700. Does that seem doable? And oh, by the way, the difference between tithing on your gross or your net in the circumstance is less than $1,000 between the two. This is what God would say. Each of you should give. You should give. You should be part of this. And that's, again, what I'm trying to awaken. Those of you that have never given before, those of you that are hesitant to, to give, those of you that are still holding on and you're just like, man, I just don't know if I can do this. This is what I'm praying happens in your heart today, that you're going to give. And you're going to do it not based on what's up here. You're going to do it based on what's down here. You don't do it reluctantly, which I've always translated. Don't be a cheapskate. And you also don't do it under compulsion. No one's forcing you to give because it goes back to the heart. God wants you to have joy in your heart because you see that he's at work in your life and you see that he's at work in your local church and what the local church is doing to win more and more people for Jesus that we would depopulate hell and increase the amount of souls that enter into heaven for all eternity, amen? And so here's the best way for me to be able to describe how we kind of help people take those steps here at Shepherd's Gate. Again, specifically, maybe you've never given before. This whole concept is completely new to you. This you can kind of look at as stages and if you will, you could also look at it as like rungs on a ladder. So as you begin to climb this ladder. And so what we've done is we said, we really just want people to get in the game. We want them just to figure out like what it means to actually just serve and to give of their time. So maybe they're not ready to give of their money, but maybe they'll give their other precious resource, which, which is their time. And so we would love it if they were involved in a local mission serving event. And so every year, our church, we go out for one weekend. We have a Friday night service instead of a Sunday service and our church for two days straight go out and we serve people in our community. That's our step out and serve. This year, we did these serve local Sundays. Many of you, you were part of this. We did them on Memorial weekend, 4th of July weekend and Labor Day weekend where we had one service in here and then we moved into the gym and we began to uh, create kits for some of our local mission partners. Maybe you've come in and you've repaired a bike. Maybe you've helped prepare food for the homeless. All of these different things to help people get their toe in the water. Well, when people get an idea of what that feels like and, and how gratifying it is to give back because it is and the joy that it produces in your heart because you gave of your time, well, then all of a sudden when you hear about one of our local mission contributions, you're like, hey, I want to be part of that too. And so as we've talked about, as the Key of Hope Choir is here next week, and all month we've been collecting donations to buy these kids winter hats and winter jackets and gloves and pants because they come from Africa and they don't have these things. And we put the challenge out to our church. We said, would some of you give 25 bucks or 50 bucks or 75 or 100 or up to 150 bucks? Easy ask. And so many of you, you rose to the challenge. You said, I want to be part of helping them have the supplies that they need when they come and do their choir. In January, we've been doing this for decades, collecting, collecting groceries for our local food bank, saying that we want to be part of helping feed those who have fallen on hard times in our community. 
any number one of those, again, is just where all of a sudden you're giving to a local mission. You're not even giving to a local church. You're giving to a local mission, and it's unlocking something in your heart. Well, what that usually leads to is people become part of Shepherd's Gate, and they realize how insanely generous this church is, is all of a sudden they say, I want to help contribute to Shepherd's Gate. And the reason that I want to help contribute to Shepherd's Gate is because I love what it is that they're doing in the community. That they're the church that for 40 years has given 13% of every dollar that they bring in back outside their doors. And in 2020, after 40 years, thought maybe that they could even take it a step further. And so in 2020, we agreed to raise it by 1% every year until 2025. And here we are in 2022, and we're giving 16% of our budget away this year. And you guys already approved our budget last week for next year. Well, we'll give away 17% of our funds to help people outside of our walls. Is that incredible or what? That's what happens when you give to the local church. Every portion that you give, a portion of that goes back out into the community. Well, then when you start getting used to that, then all of a sudden there's this thing called intentional and recurring giving. And this takes planning. For those of you that are married, this takes sitting down with your spouse and looking over the family finances and inviting God into that situation and praying about what he would lay on your heart. Men in this room, how many times have you heard us challenge you to be the spiritual head of your home? And we have challenged you to pray with your spouse, to read scripture with your spouse, to tell your kids about Jesus, to do all of the resources that we give you when we're doing sermon series, when we're going through books of the Bible. Can I tell you this is another spiritual discipline for you as the head of your house? You should be leading your family in this discipline. Your wife shouldn't be the one that, that has to do this on her own, that this should be a partnership between the two of you in obedience to what it is that God is calling you to do as a couple. And as you begin to, to do that, as you begin to step out in faith and you begin to see God move in different ways in your life, all of a sudden it becomes percentage giving. This is what the scriptures talk about, first fruits, tithing, up to 10%. Because I know, if you've never given before, it seems insane to go from zero to 10%. So I would challenge you to do this. Start at 2%. And then the next year, go to 3%. And the next year, go to 4%. Do what we're doing as a church. Trust God, step out in faith, and watch as he works in your family. I can't tell you how many testimonies came out of the sermon series we did last March. Families that said, man, we have never done this before, but we're going to do this. And coming back from my break this summer, the sabbatical that I had, and families saying, man, God provided for us. And there was things that all of a sudden started showing up in our lives. And we just had this overwhelming sense of God's peace because we were part of something bigger than ourselves or trying to protect our own little kingdom here on this earth. It's first fruits. It's a tithe. It's consistent what God calls us to do. Now getting toward the end of this, the sacrificial giving. I mean, you guys know you watched a video this morning about our campaign. Being in a facility that we have worn out. I mean, how many more stains do we need to put in the carpet, folks? Right? There's one HVAC unit on top of this thing that's on its last leg. 
This is a temporary wall that was built by the pastor in 2004. That's why it's cold over there. So you let that like it cold, you should go this way. Our facility guy spent all week with a cordless screwdriver tightening your chairs because they're falling apart. They've been reupholstered twice. At some point, right, we, we got to be part of something bigger even than ourselves and we move into that sacrificial area. And what I'm excited about, if you didn't know this, is this, is that a majority of our church has actually never been part of a building campaign before. Just go ahead and hit the next slide. 68% of our church, as a matter of fact. Now, I'll pause and say this as well, because I know some of you, you're hesitant to have a home visit or you're hesitant to get involved in this because you're like, okay, now the church wants me to give 10%, and then once I stretch my budget to do that, because we can't do that because of our lifestyle and the way that our bills are structured now, now you want me to give above and beyond that 10%, and so you give up. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. Just because these are in a certain order doesn't mean they have to be done in this order. That for some of you that have never given before, faith forward may be what unlocks generosity in your family. And the reason it unlocks it is because you have to make a pledge. And you have to say that we're going to be committed to doing this as a family, that we are going to stretch ourselves. And that is a sacrificial gift for you. And so that's going to be the way that God works in your heart and in your life. Again, nobody's like holding you hostage to giving to a church. Isn't it incredible that the church is the only organization on the planet that people can come and go as freely as they want? And they never have to give a dime? Isn't that cool? You go to a restaurant, 100% of the people have to pay. Is that right? Anybody walked out of a restaurant and not paid? Anybody pushed a shopping cart out of a grocery store and not pay for your groceries? I love that about the local church because that's what it should be. That's why we always talk about guests. And if you're a guest, don't feel obligated to give. We're just so glad that you're here because we want Jesus for you. This message is for those of you that are walking with Jesus, that God is stirring something in your heart, that you're learning these spiritual disciplines, and it gets even better. That, that figuring this out becomes so exciting, and I'm telling you, it unleashes something in your life. You don't even know how fun and exciting it is until you take that first step. And lastly this morning is this, it's legacy gifts. And so there's people that, this is part of their will and their trust. And we've had this happen, people pass away and their family members will come and say, they love this church, they believe in this church, they wanna see this church continue into the future for decades to come, and so they've asked that part of their estate be donated to the church. Now, this one in particular kind of hit hard this last week, as some of you know that my sweet dear grandma went to be with Jesus on Monday morning. 94 years old. I mean, that's incredible. I probably am not going to make it to 94 years old, just so you know. And this is the second book that she wrote, Alabama Girl Blooms. And I'm so thankful that I got to spend a week with her because I was on sabbatical back in August. And just to spend time in that book, this is her autobiography. It's where she writes about all that she experienced as a kid. She's one of 12 children. And her family was so poor, her dad served in World War I. Uh, he died when she was young uh, at an accident at his place of work. So imagine her mom raising 12 kids. She went off to her aunt and uncle's when she was young, when she was a baby, and then she came back later in grade school. Poor her whole life. Then she decides that she should marry a pastor. And you know pastors are millionaires. I mean, they all, I mean, you're, you're, 
She marries a United Methodist guy who never pastored a church more than 200, and he never stayed at a church more than a year and a half or two years. My grandma never had an opportunity to be able to hoard stuff because she was always packing up everything and moving because of his ministry. 55 years of doing that. And she's probably one of the most generous people that I've ever met because she always gave out of her heart. She always willingly supported other ministries and organizations. She would ask me about friends that I have that are serving as missionaries in foreign countries, and she would just write them checks. And I was like, Grandma, you don't have to do that. She's like, why? What am I going to do? You she, her phrase was always this, you can't take it with you. I love that. I love that heart, because that's our desire for you. Again, the heart of the Father, living lives of generosity, and so I'll end with this verse, which is our kids' verse of the day. Don't put your trust in stuff. Put your trust in God. I know for some of you, this is a tough conversation. It's a tough, you know, looking at numbers and, and you know, trying to figure that all out. And so we thought we would end in a creative way this morning, that maybe there's a visual that would just help bring this all together and so I have some friends that are going to help me now. Quentin's going to come out and play the guitar. And I have some friends that are going to kind of help just bring this whole thing into light. And so uh, will you welcome them as they come at this time? I want you to imagine with me that God gives you 10 of something and that you are asked to give one back. What is this right here? Can I have it? All right, who likes pineapples in here? Pineapples. So we're going to take one, if we have 10, and we're going to give it to God, all right? There's our pineapple. And then God's going to tell us that we get to keep the other nine pineapples. Is that correct? Everyone's gelling with this? Makes sense? Where's my accountants? You guys still with me? Okay. Grayson. Cauliflower. How many of you like cauliflower? How many of you think this is the devil's food? <laughs> right, all right. So, here we go. We're going to put that right there. It comes from God's garden. Nope, those go over there. Yeah, wrong table. you got to go over here. God already got his. Now you got to fill this one. All right, what's this right here? What do we got here? Ooh, fruit. How many of you like cantaloupe? Cantaloupe, is that what this is? Cantaloupe, any cantaloupe? Wow, look at this. Okay, God, you said one goes to you. We're going to give you one. All right, the other nine we get to take home and feed our family and friends with that one. Wow, you got three. Nice job. Look at that. Man, it's crazy considering inflation, right? I mean, we've probably already got $5,000 up here. Just, you know, the price of... Some of you are getting nervous this morning. Oh, oranges. Are these from Florida? Oh, we got so many snowbirds from Florida. Did they bring this up from Florida? Oh, this is for God. Okay. So one bag of oranges goes to God. Okay. And the other nine are going here. Guys, it doesn't look like God's getting a lot of, you got anything else over here for God? Oh, what's this? What's this? I don't even know what this is. What is this? Oh, eggplant. Ah. I clearly don't do any grocery shopping or cooking in my house. How many of you like this thing? What do you put this in? 
Egg, eggplant Parmesan? Oh, okay, all right, all right. Eggplant Parmesan, that sounds good. Wow. Hmm. You guys already ran out of room on the table. How did that happen? We're going to move some stuff around? We're going to have to get a storage unit? What's going to have to happen here? Oh, no, here. Can I have that? Can I have that? Oh, you found lettuce? Have you heard about the lettuce crisis? Some restaurants aren't even serving salads anymore. This is probably worth like $1,000, folks. I don't know if we can give this to God. But there's nine over there. Well, maybe. Maybe we can. Maybe we can. All right. Wow. I almost don't want to destroy it. Oh, goodness. Now you're really throwing curveballs at me. Oh, mango. Mango. This probably comes from a foreign country, doesn't it? Who makes mangoes? Anybody know? Oh, God. Good. Good answer. See, you're paying attention. Guys, this is incredible. You're running out of room. Do we need to get some more tables? Do we need to have something else come? Look at this. Mango, mango, mango. Hmm. Oh, is this from your garden? It is? What is this? Oh, it's zucchini. Who likes zucchini? Anybody make zucchini bread? I love zucchini bread, so if you want to make me a zucchini bread, I would really appreciate that. Zucchini pasta, too. I'm getting all sorts of recipes up there. Oh, green pepper. Look at this. Dang. Folks, is it kind of crazy that God trusts you with this? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that kind of humbling? And then he says, do you trust me with this? Avocado. Good thing I have my glasses on today. There we go. I can barely read it. Now we can make some guacamole and a cucumber. Hmm. Wow. Can we give our volunteers another hand this morning for helping out? Bananas, too. you got to have bananas. These are bananas. Thanks, Jane. Does it make sense? Kind of hard to argue with this, isn't it? It's all God's.